Our Lord tells us in the Gospel of Luke, the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. As our Lord reveals this truth once again through a parable to teach us of his Father's inexhaustible love, unconditional forgiveness, and saving grace, may the Holy Spirit teach and equip us for our mission and ministry, a daily celebration of God's grace. Amen. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, all God wants to do is give us everything. Think about that for a minute. All God wants to do is to give us everything. And that includes the daily celebration of his saving grace. But why do we have a hard time believing that? Well, I think there's a couple main reasons. And the first one is that we don't have everything. There are things I want that I don't have. And so if God wanted to give me everything, he surely would, right? I'd have the money I want, the stuff I want, you name it, I'd have it. But I don't. But maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's a reason why the God who wants to give us everything hasn't yet. Perhaps he knows that were he to give us our whole inheritance now, that we'd waste it with prodigal living. So while he wants to give us everything, he hasn't because he's preparing us for what he wants to give. For example, you don't give a beginning music student the most expensive instrument to start on, right? If you take up running, you don't start with a marathon. If you're learning to drive, you don't start by driving a Porsche. It's just setting you up for, fail, for failure. And so God doesn't just give, but he also prepares us to receive. That we receive what he gives, not selfishly, not with a sense of entitlement, but with thanksgiving to the giver. There's also another main reason why we don't believe that all God wants to do is give us everything. And that's because Satan doesn't want us to believe it. And so he has deceived us into thinking that that's not God's nature. That's not who he is. That God doesn't give, but instead that God takes, that God demands that God spoils. But really, think about it. What does God need from you? What does God need, period? What could you possibly give the creator of the universe that he either already doesn't have or couldn't get for himself? Or to make yourself be worthy to be his child? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, not one thing. And yet Satan has painted such a picture of God for us in our minds that we sometimes see God not as he is, but as being unfair, as being a God who takes from us, who demands, or who maybe is mean. Someone who doesn't need but demands anything. But is that really who God is? Or is God more like the father in the parable that Jesus told today. The parable 
that we, of course, most often know as the parable of the prodigal son, because the son gets the most attention. But it would be probably better named the parable of the gracious father. The father who gives and gives and gives some more. You know some of what the father gives in this parable. We see first that the father gives the younger son his share of the inheritance. Now, here's an important thing to remember. It was very shameful for the son to ask for it like that. To wish his father dead, basically, is what he was saying in asking for his inheritance. So he could get his fortune, have his fun, make his own way in the world. And even though the father knew it would not be best, he still gives it. It's his character to give. Even his hired servants, we're told, are well cared for and have more than enough. And then, when the son returns with his tail between his legs after having lost everything, both money and reputation, the father gives him even more. A new robe, new sandals, a new ring, a great feast. The father, it seems, can't stop giving. It's remarkable. It's almost unbelievable. But there's even more. There's even more. There's something else here that the Father gives that's easy to overlook. That perhaps you hadn't thought of. Perhaps, though, is the most important of everything else. The Father gives his honor. Yes, he gives his honor. He allows himself to be shamed in order to honor his sons. And that starts way back at the very beginning when the younger son asked for his share of the inheritance. Again, that was a shameful thing for the son to do. But the father, instead of taking a hard line and refusing, and in so doing, garnering honor and approval from the townsfolk, he allows himself to be dishonored. He gives the inheritance. And in doing that, he himself becomes the topic of conversation and shame. Because perhaps the son could be excused for his immaturity, but the father, what he did, caving like that, it would seem weak. And then it gets worse when the younger son returns after his tabloid headline adventures. The father doesn't react like we would think he should. He doesn't make his son grovel and shame himself. He bestows honor on his son. He hikes up his robes and he runs out to his son, his filthy son. He embraces his son who's as dirty as a pig and smells even worse. And not only that, he kisses him. He covers his filth with a new robe and sandals and ring and throws this expensive, extravagant feast for him. And with this, he, and not his son, becomes the topic of conversation. Because in that culture, it would have been looked down on, he would have been looked down on for not making his son beg to see him, or to even be allowed to be in his presence. He would have been ridiculed for embracing and kissing this filthy poor excuse for a son. 
He would have been mocked for giving his son a new robe. And then the family signet ring, which today would be kind of like giving the password to your family's online banking accounts. A father gives up his honor to restore honor to his son. And it doesn't stop there either. He also does the same for his older son as well. His resentful, hate-filled older son. When he disobeys and himself disrespects his father by refusing to come into the party, what does the father do? Father comes out to him. And he doesn't demand, he doesn't flex his fatherly muscles. He goes on to plead with his older son to forgive to come in and celebrate. And so he himself, again, becomes the object of gossip and disgrace. No self-respecting father would do that. No sensible man would do that. Make them do it. Make them change. Make them earn it. That's how the world thinks, right? That's how Satan wants us to think. But is that how it is with God? St. Paul told us today how it is with God. As he writes, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that right there in a nutshell is the parable of the prodigal son. The father who knew no sin takes his son's sins, took their shame, took their rebellion upon himself to make them right again, to give to them. Because all he wants to do is give them everything. And with that, we see what God has done for us in giving us his son, Jesus. He who knew no sin took our sin. He who knew no shame took our shame. He who had no filth took on our filth. He who perfectly obeyed everything took on our rebellion and disobedience upon himself. He who deserved only praise took our condemnation and death. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. That in him we would be forgiven we would be honored, cleansed, and exalted. For all God wants to do is give us everything. But what do we do? How do we respond to God's amazing grace? Well, oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we run away. Like the younger son, running away from him to the life we think we want. The fun, the excitement, independence. Or maybe like the older son, resenting the ones who return. Resenting to whom God gives his gifts. Thinking them not worthy or undeserving. And so then keeping yourself away from him and dissatisfied with what he wants to give you. Or maybe like both sons, we fall into the trap of chasing after and focusing only on the things of this world and life. Killing yourself to get the here and now instead of what lasts forever. Chasing after what will make us momentarily happy 
instead of looking to the true and lasting joy that's found in God. Rejoicing little in his name given to us in baptism and focusing much more on the name that we make for ourselves. Or maybe we're like the older son and resisting repentance and confession. And instead, wanting to excuse our behavior and think think that we're the good ones. That we're not as bad as those other guys. We're not a tax collector or a really bad, notorious sinner. And so we somehow deserve the Father's favor and love. And so rejecting his holiness in favor of our own. Rejecting the honor he wants to give in favor of the honor that we can earn for ourselves. And to all that, this Lenten season, the call goes out, repent. Repent. Turn around. Give it up and give up. And realize once again how foolish we've been. How foolish to think that we can get more, do better, and be happier apart from our gracious, giving Father. Our Father who just wants to give us everything. Our God who seeks to forgive our sin, to strengthen our faith, to feed our soul. Not because you're one of his hired hands, but because you are his own dear child. As Paul would later write to the Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he, all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Indeed, he will. He will. In due time, not as you demand, but in love for your good, according to his good and gracious will. God continues to come to us and give us his gifts of grace. And daily we rejoice in what he gives us according to his good and gracious will. Amen.